You are listening to Inclusion Evolution, a bi-weekly podcast that brings you insightful and engaging conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession, the technology space, the world of sports, and our everyday. Here are your hosts, Lisa Mueller and Michael Kasdan. Welcome back to Inclusion Evolution. I'm Lisa Mueller. And I'm Michael Kasdan. Well, Mike, we're back with another episode, and today we're going to talk about gendered ageism. And to do that, we have a special guest, uh, Bonnie Marcus. And let me tell you a little bit about Bonnie. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, Forbes contributing writer, and an executive coach. In that role, Bonnie assists professional women to successfully navigate the workplace and position and promote themselves to advance their careers. She's a leading expert in gendered ageism in the workplace. Her latest book, Not Done Yet, How Women Over 50 Regain Their Confidence and Claim Their Workplace Power, shines a light on this issue and gives women the tools and the voice to defy ageist assumptions to stay marketable and keep their job. Bonnie started her corporate career at an entry-level position and worked her way up to the top of a national company. Her passion is now to help other women embrace their talent and ambition and step into their full potential and workplace power. Bonnie shares her message globally through speaking engagements, live and virtual workshops, blogging, and her popular podcast, Badass Women at Any Age, and we're so glad to have her on today. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. Mike and I are really excited to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to talk about this topic, gendered ageism. Thanks so much, Bonnie. So let's take it from the top. Can you tell us what gendered ageism is uh, and why it's a quote-unquote double whammy for women? Yeah. um, Gendered ageism is the intersectionality of gender bias and ageism. And I call it the double whammy because really throughout our professional careers, um, women are face an unlevel playing field. We aren't paid equally. We don't have the same opportunities for sponsorship, for advancement. Um, if we decide to be uh, a parent, we face a motherhood penalty, which affects our status and and income over time. So as women, uh, we are faced with gender bias from the very beginning, you know, from the first time we step into the workplace. But then as we start to show visible signs of aging, uh, the combination of both the gender bias and ageism kicks in, where we are evaluated and viewed differently uh, because of our age. And there are a lot of limitations that women um, experience because are viewed as perhaps less valuable. Often they're made to feel invisible, but it has a dramatic effect financially as well as on their career trajectory. Yeah, and I know that you know you've done some work looking at the statistics, which I think are really striking. I think from your 2021 survey, which was quite a large survey, over 700 yeah. women, um, you reported that 80% experienced gendered ageism. And so I, I know the statistical case is there. 
And then I know anecdotally, you know, we see these types of issues all the time. I know one recent example was, you know, the CNN political host, Don Lemon, uh, commenting about the age of uh, Nikki Haley, who's 51, you know, being a presidential hopeful and saying that she's not, quote, in, in her prime, you know, when we have, you know, presidents and other presidential candidates who are men uh, who are, you know, a good 25 years older than that. Yeah, I, you know, I like the fact that he took some heat for it and um, they gave him, quote unquote, some training about it. Uh, but I think the fact that it was called out as um, as biased and it was called out as gendered ageism shows that perhaps we are building some awareness ar around this topic. And that's progress. That's that's good news. But the fact that somebody 51 is past their prime is just <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, most women are just really coming into their own around that age. Maybe they, um, you know, their children have left the nest. They have more time to focus on their careers and certainly more than they've ever had before. And they're more interested and passionate and energetic about really getting involved and contributing more value at this point. So the fact that somebody is over their prime at 51, which, by the way, would never be said to a man. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You get the silver yeah. fox comments that you hear guys talk about. But for a woman to be over her prime at 51 is just ridiculous. Yeah, it right. hits me as a, as someone who's 48. Like, it means I've only got three years left. I feel like I'm, I just got here. Um, no, but I mean, and, and why, why do you think that there's this emphasis, you know, on age and youthfulness that shows up as bias, you know, specifically, um, you know, against women? Right. I was, I was saying, I don't know if you heard that you're, you're safe. Because, <laughs> oh, yes. Thank great. Because you're male. So you've got way more than two years. I wouldn't worry about it. So, Bonnie, I wanted to ask you, you know, I was looking at your Instagram account and, and you had a statement there that really I really liked. And you said many women feel the pressure to look younger. They try and prolong their youthful appearance. Why can't we just age in peace? Yeah. Uh, so many women feel the pressure to look younger. Um, the bias against older women is so ingrained in our society and it's it's really hard to escape that kind of scrutiny i mean older women are definitely evaluated differently especially as we start to show visible signs of aging and there's research that shows that in the workplace especially women uh, over 50 or women who are beginning to show signs of aging are viewed as less competent. <laughs> you know, they're, they're less valuable when they still have many, many years of, of value to, to contribute to society and to their organizations. So it's, you know, it's a different kind of scrutiny that women face. Um, when I was writing my book, Not Done Yet, and I did so many interviews of women, you know, in this age bracket. 
And I'm no longer in the corporate arena, so I'm not facing the same type of of pressure. But there was a woman who, 62 years old, who was in the fashion industry, and she was an executive, and she'd have panic attacks. At 3 o'clock in the morning, she'd wake up. She's 62. She had Botox and filler and all kinds of things so that she could look youthful and she wouldn't go into work on her birthday she was so afraid somebody would ask her how old she was and she said to me because bonnie if i lose my job at 62 then what the hell am i gonna do you know nobody's gonna rehire me um and so i mean you know the research also shows that women over 50 are unemployed longer if they do lose their job, it it takes them an average of two years plus to even get interviewed and get rehired. So for professional women, especially the uh, pressure to stay young looking as long as they possibly can um, is really important for their financial viability as well as I guess their self-esteem. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's that's really uh, it. Really hits home, um, you know how it affects you know your livelihood, um, but also you know internalizing it and feeling the effects of it and and feeling that that pressure. Um, so so I know in your book, Bonnie, you talk about some of the signs of ageism in the workplace. Um, you know how that manifests, um, such as you know older women um, having their opinions. Um, dismissed routinely or their workload redistributed to younger colleagues or not being invited to important meetings, you know, things like that. Um, if we look to, you know, the what do we do about it side of things, um, you know, how do you recommend women respond to these situations um, and also to sort of ageist comments and circumstances? Um, you know, what, what is your advice? Well, I mean, my best, best advice is to be proactive and try not to let yourself get in the situation where you are sidelined and invisible. And so there are lots of tips in the book about, well, how do you stay marketable Um, and what kinds of things you need to do so that you are still at the top of your game and letting others know that you are still at the top of your game, not letting people take credit for your ideas or speaking over you and uh, in meetings and things like that. And really, I I think what's most important is understanding what's going on. Because very often, you know, we keep our head down and we think, well, if I work harder or, um, you know, I move to another company or I do this X, Y, Z, this isn't, you know, ever going to affect me. But when these situations come up and we kind of just pass them off as, well, that's a one-off kind of situation and not recognize that perhaps it is ageism and to um, really be able to acknowledge it and to address it, it, especially in the workplace. So 
very often there are comments made in the workplace that are meant to be funny because because I think that's where our society is. You know, you go look for greeting cards and it's like, oh, my God, you need a bottle of wine or whatever to face your next birthday as an older woman. Right. Um, Some of that may be true. But the fact is, it's always kind of a a joke or said lightly. And we need to call it out because I think and maybe I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to people who make these jokes and comments that because it's so ingrained in our society, this bias against older women that um, people aren't really aware that an ageist comment. You know, it's similar to the beginning of the Me Too movement when there were a lot of comments about, uh, you know, what's what a woman would wear to a meeting or she looks good, you know. And for the most part, men didn't realize that they were being offensive. Mm-hmm. And it became the woman's responsibility to say, you know, when you made that comment, um, it it really it it offended me, and so I think that it's important to build awareness and to help people understand that some of the comments that they're making or the jokes on this topic are in fact offensive and ageist. Now, in the workplace, it depends on. The relationships that you have in that work with the people who are making these comments or jokes. And I talk about this, you know, I give a whole chapter about this in the book is, yeah, you need to be politically savvy and you need to be strategic. If it's somebody that you have a good relationship with, well, you know, one on one, you can have that conversation that um, how that comment made you feel. And that you feel that it's ageist. Um, if it's your manager, you know, senior leader, uh, you may have to approach it uh, a little differently. But I think it's still important to have those kinds of conversations, maybe in private, not in front of a group, mm-hmm. and start to the awareness around the gendered ageism bias. Yeah, I think it's such an important thing to address, um, you know, with all biases, but, you know, with this one in particular, the that, that so much of it comes at you as sort of comments and, you know, jokes. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've, I came across this um, study by a social scientist. It was actually a series of tweets um, talking about kind of the power of humor to kind of enforce in groups versus out groups and really changed the way I thought about you know, jokes. I mean, jokes are so, so powerful for social commentary and also for like these, these very, you know, powerful social functions. And I think, you know, like you said, like whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't really matter. You know, the impact is, you know, that it reinforces these biases. And so, you know, to be able to, to call that out and, and, and to, you know, really discuss how complicated that can sometimes be in the workplace. Like, you know, you have to be strategic or what's the relationship and, you know, how's this going to affect me? Um, it's such a, such a tricky issue. And, but I think that, you know, one thing I really want to stress is that we need to all look within ourselves to identify what kind of ages 
beliefs and assumptions we hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the awareness has to start there. And I have to tell you, I mean, you know, before I started this work, uh, especially before I started writing the book, Not Done Yet, um, I wasn't aware of a lot of the ageist beliefs that I held. You know, if somebody said to me, wow, you know, you look good for your age, I would take that as a compliment yeah. and just march on. <laughs> exactly. And say to myself, well, how am I supposed to look at this age, you know? Um, we put people in categories based on on their age, and then we make um, all these assumptions. So I, th- I think it's really important that the awareness starts with with what kind of um, bias we hold. And for women, especially um, professional women, it's important first to identify them and then ask yourself how they're holding you back. Because these self-limiting beliefs will hold us back from reaching, you know, our potential or putting us in jeopardy of being sidelined and pushed out because they become self-fulfilling prophecies. So if you think you're too old to get promoted, then you're not going to do the kinds of things you need to do to get that promotion. You know, you're not going to raise your hand and share your ideas. Chances are you're going to kind of stay silent in meetings, not share those those ideas um, and kind of in the shadows. And, and then you're not on anybody's radar. So, Bonnie, I think that's a good segue to talk about another part of your book where you talk about women who experience ageism. They start to internalize and they start to feel irrelevant. And you talk about trading in this feeling of miserable for visible And you talk about that women should think strategically and create a visibility plan to help increase their profile and exposure across their organization. Can you share some ideas on how to do this in terms of creating this visibility plan? Sure. I mean, the visibility plan is um, really uh, important at any point in your career. Um, And because I coach women basically at all levels, Um, It's something that I think is important to do because it gives you a strategic plan on how to position yourself and especially how to um, create exposure with perhaps key stakeholders or influencers or people who may have power over your career trajectory. And so I feel it's important to be really intentional about it. And write down a plan for yourself. And a lot of that depends on your workplace, right? Your work environment and what would work and what wouldn't work. But some suggestions that I have are to look for special projects that would give you visibility with senior executives or key stakeholders. So projects that matter to people in power and how can you help? Um, When you get involved in in these kinds of projects, you are demonstrating the value that you bring as well as taking yourself out of the sidelines and putting yourself, you know, uh, front and center. So maybe the company is 
rolling out a new IT program or CRM system or a DEI program, you know, and there are key executives who are sponsoring this kind of thing. Figure out how you can get involved and how you can offer value and get involved in projects like that. Uh, Get involved in some ERG groups or help organize some of them, especially for women. I think women's leadership groups are pretty common in a lot of organizations now, and they always have an executive sponsor. So how can you get involved or maybe initiate the start of that kind of a, of a group so that, uh, again, you're viewed as a leader, you're viewed as somebody who is contributing value, um, offered a mentor, offered a mentor, oh, um, colleagues, younger or, you know, your peers, offer to start cross-generational networking programs or facilitate them um, because that gives you exposure to a lot of your colleagues uh, across different generations where you can benefit so much from each other. And again, as I said earlier, you know, we put people in categories based on their age and then we make assumptions about them. But if you are connecting one-on-one with, say, somebody who's Gen Z or Gen X and, and you're a boomer and, you know, you've made all kinds of assumptions about them and and they've made all kinds of assumptions about you perhaps being over the hill or whatever. As you get to know each other, you find that those assumptions aren't true and that you each have um, a lot of value that can contribute and to help each other. So, I mean, those are some kinds of, some kinds of ideas. Yeah. I love that. Um, Bonnie, in the third section of your book, um, that's called Be Your Badass Self, which I love. Um, you refer to Katie Quirk's definition of a badass woman as someone who stands up for herself, is confident, and is not afraid to challenge the hierarchy, the patriarchy, or conventional thinking. Um, can you tell us some ways that women over 50 can be their badass selves? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love this I part love- of the book. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, you know, I have a podcast, Badass Women, yes, at any yeah. age. Um, and I started that podcast before I started writing the book, not done yet. And that was going to be the original title of my book. Um, because I found this Katie Couric quote and I thought, wow, that's, that's great. That really is badass to me. That's a definition of a badass and it takes, um, confidence to really challenge the hierarchy and patriarchy or the status quo, as I like to say, um, and to really put yourself front and center, even though our default may be at this age to kind of pull back and not bring attention to ourselves. But of course, we face the consequences if we do that. So what are some things that we can do that will give us that sense of um, empowerment, that sense of confidence to really stand up for ourselves and own the power of our age and not be ashamed of our age and not trying to necessarily hide our age. And 
I mean, a key is really to own the power of our age, not apologize for it. Look at our, our story and to own our story. How have we arrived where we are today? What kind of challenges have we faced? And in the book, there's an exercise of what are the battles you fought and won, you know? As we start to list some of the things that we have um, not only accomplished, but what we have, the challenges we've overcome, some of the barriers, what we've learned. And you look at that list and you're like, wow, <laughs> you know, we need to first acknowledge that, you know, ourselves. So, I mean, that's really a key because I think it's it's definitely a confidence um, builder. But it's also about taking back some of the control and not letting others dictate to you that you are too old to do something. You're too old to learn something new. You're too old to go out and run a couple of miles. You're too, you know, all let them not put these limits on you that you don't necessarily deserve. And to challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, you know, some of these things are true at any point in your life, but especially now where as a woman over 50, you are perhaps more vulnerable. Make sure that you keep a growth mindset, that you stay curious, that you are open to learning not only new skills, but learning new things, expanding your horizon. There's so many opportunities now to do that. There are podcasts, um, there are masterclasses, there are great books to read. There just there's so much so many ways that we can really expand our horizons and learn. And with a growth mindset, we don't have that kind of fixed mind mindset or mentality that we're at a certain point in our age and you know we're we're not gonna learn anymore at this point. It's all kind of downhill. Being physical, so important to um make sure that you are physical every day, you're moving. In many ways, it's a source of joy. I know, you know, for me, a morning run, my dance class that I take three times a week. I mean, this to me is joyous. And it also um, allows me socially to connect with other women in this age group. And that's really important. The relationships and the social connections um, are certainly uh, very, very important as you age. And then, you know, some of the empowerment things like learning how to say no, <laughs> setting boundaries, right? Putting yourself first, um, which as women, we, you know, that's so difficult. We're terrible you know, at it. We're just really bad at it. We're bad at it. And so bad at it. Uh, we always take the back seat it seems or put other people first and we it, it's really important that we move into the front driver's seat and say okay you know what um at this point in my life i am taking control and i am going to move my life forward and i'm going to challenge myself and i'm going to find joy and be present every day and know that I have unlimited potential, you know, not letting 
not holding ourselves back. Yeah, no, I love that. And I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, framing and the power of framing and mindset. And I love mm-hmm. so many of those tips because they're so focused on, on mindset. And, and I think um, I love the, you know, the words joy and, you know, owning the power of your age. Cause I think joy and power aren't words that people usually use in a conversation about aging, but objectively, right. It's true. Like you have experience and you have wisdom and you have skills. Um, and, um, you know, there is a lot of power and power and there should be a lot of joy. So I really appreciate that perspective. Well, you know, Mike, a lot of that is mindset, right? Um, you can choose to look at the glass half full or the half empty, right? You can say, oh, you know, it's all downhill from now. <laughs> you yep. know, yep. I've hit 50 and, you know, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z anymore. I'm not going to, my memory's going to fade. My body's going to, you know, give out on me. And, you know, focusing on that, um, you know, the research shows that actually does contribute to, um, to the aging process. Whereas, if you live your life in joy and you're looking at through a positive lens about with gratitude and for everything you've achieved so far and what you still can um, achieve is uh, contributes to longevity. And it's a great place to be. Absolutely. I, I think those are really, really great points, Bonnie. And, you know, as the podcast here comes to a close, you know, it's been an interesting year so far, and there have been some history-making moments for women over 50. And most recently, you know, we had the Academy Awards and we had Michelle Yeoh, who's 60 years old, win her first Oscar, and same with Jamie Lee Curtis. And Michelle Yeoh uh, really te- seemed to take a shot at Don Lemon by saying that women should never let anyone tell them they're past their prime. <laughs> So I love that. I thought that was awesome. And I'm so glad she called him out on, on a national stage like that. Do you think maybe there's some reason this year we can start to be a little bit hopeful for those of us who are over 50? I I do. And I think that very slowly we are seeing that the narrative is changing. When I started this work like five years ago, uh, there were... Um, there were certainly people who were focused on ageism, but I was probably the first voice, at least that I know of, that focused on how this affects women in particular, specifically women you know, over 50, et cetera. Now, uh, there are so many people who are advocates for gendered ageism. There's so many women who are in this work who are writing about it, who have organized different um, different groups um, of advocacy. And I, you know, it's building much more awareness about the topic. And it is showing that the, the narrative is changing. And we're seeing that. We're seeing a lot of research about um, ageism for women in in um, advertising, for women in fashion, for women, you know, we're seeing a lot of these initiatives pop up and I think it's great. Yeah, no, that's great. And and I uh, 
you know, I really, we really appreciate, uh, you know, your leadership, you know, Bonnie and, and, and growing this conversation. Um, you know, I think it's great that Michelle Yeo used her platform, but you know, you're using your platform and, and we'd be so appreciate you coming on the podcast, Absolutely. back on this topic with us. Um, so I think that's, it. that's what we have for this week's episode. Um, thank you again so much, uh, to Bonnie for coming on and, uh, Lisa and I will catch you next time on inclusion evolution. Thank you for listening to Inclusion Evolution. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the hosts and not of their respective law firms. Share your thoughts with us by emailing us at llmuller at casimerjones.com or mkasden at wigan.com.